I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. I'm Amy Stevenson. My guest today is Professor Sue Dyson from the Animal Health Trust. She's recently conducted a study that asks the question, is your horse naughty or is he actually in pain? Well, you can tell from his facial expressions. Sue will explain everything. This is Horse Hour. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. I'm so thrilled to welcome Professor Sue Dyson from the Animal Health Trust. Sue has been working on a new study. It's called Is Your Horse Naughty or Is He Actually in Pain? Sue, how are you? I'm in fine form, thank you. Good. Now, this is really interesting because we often see our horses pull funny expressions and we say the word funny, but actually what you're saying is they could be in pain and, and this isn't uh, just something that they randomly do. Well, our, our studies have basically been looking at the facial expressions of ridden horses um, so they don't apply to the horse standing still without a rider on, um, although they may in general terms be transferable, but the studies specifically looked at the facial expressions of ridden horses. Right, okay. What made you come up with this originally and decide to do a study about it? Well, there are a number of different reasons. Um, first of all, for many years I've observed horses uh, being ridden and thought that many horses exhibit signs of discomfort, uh, such as putting their ears back, uh, opening their mouths, um, changing the expression of their eye, that um, when I improved um, lameness and the horses moved better, then their facial expressions improved. So I was fairly confident that these were signs that were telling us that the horse was in pain, but I needed to be able to prove this. Mm. Um, I've also been very aware that riders and trainers are rather poor at recognizing lameness, particularly when it's low grade, particularly when it's involving both hind limbs or both forelimbs so that the horse has changed its gait by stepping shorter, for example, but is not showing really overt lameness. And people aren't very good at recognizing that. And therefore, it tends to become uh, more chronic before people get it investigated further. And the more chronic or the more long-standing a problem is, the more difficult it is to successfully treat it. And I thought that if we can demonstrate clearly that facial expressions can be a reflection of musculoskeletal pain, then that might be something that owners and trainers would be better able to recognize um, and therefore recognize that the horse has got a problem sooner rather than later. I've also observed that 
many problems when you talk to owners they talk about oh my horse has been a naughty horse um i've had to ride him harder i've had to make him do things uh and my feeling is that if you're having to be coercive if you're having to force a horse to do something um many times it's because the horse has got underlying discomfort um not because it's being a naughty horse Mm, um, totally agree with you completely it, it's funny because I've, I've seen many lame horses that are very very slightly lame and um, and I do agree you can see it in their head movement and the way that they move and I'm shocked sometimes that so many people can't see it yes I think that people have become um well one I'm, I'm amazed that so many people are going around with their eyes shut effectively and mm. I think maybe they accept it as being the norm and it never crosses their mind that it may be due to discomfort. Uh, mm. It just is something that people think it's a training issue rather than an underlying pain-related problem. Or they put it down to their personality. I hear many oh, yes. people say, oh, he's just, you know, she's just a grumpy mare. But, but actually, when you're putting the saddle on or you're putting the bridle on and they're only acting like that when or behaving like that when that action is taking place then it, it, it it's kind of common sense a little bit isn't it well i believe so i mean i think that um if the horse moves to the back of the stable when you come in with attack or if it is awkward when you're girthing it um that generally means either the tack is causing discomfort or the horse is reacting like that in anticipation of pain when it is subsequently ridden i also get comments when we treat horses successfully owners come back to me and say oh, my horse is so much happier now. And uh-huh. it's so much easier to, to, to handle and do things with, um, which absolutely um, vindicates my hypothesis that um, these are pain-related behaviors. The horses are trying to communicate with us. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the time, we are not listening to what they're trying to tell us. Mm. It's very hard for us, I think. So as as horse owners, you know, we're not veterinary experts and it's so difficult. You you know, sometimes you know something's wrong, but there's yeah. a huge catalogue of what it could be. And if we can just kind of hone that down a little bit and, and find almost like a paint by numbers of if he's pulling this facial expression, then this could mean that. Is that something you can do? Well, I don't think you can go as far as that. All I'm saying is from the results of my observations over many years, and as the results of the studies that we've carried out, is that um, all horses can transiently have their ears back or transiently open their mouth. But a horse which has got musculoskeletal pain, and that may be because of back pain due to the saddle or back pain because of a crooked rider or an excessively heavy rider or because of actual lameness, then any of those causes of pain can cause a change in the horse's facial expression so that it will have, for example, its ears back more frequently than a a clinically normal horse. Mm. Um, Or it may open its mouth wider or it may start to tip its head um, in one direction. Uh, And all of those are indicators of pain. I don't think they're going to tell us anything more specific about what the cause of that pain is, but it's just an indicator that there is pain and that further investigation is merited. Um, And we also have to make the the veterinary profession aware of this as well, because I think um, unless you're a sports horse specialist who's really good at lameness, 
then you as a rider can be complaining, oh, my horse is not going as well as it used to. The vet comes along and sees it in hand and on the lunge, can't see it lame, maybe sees it ridden, again, maybe can't see it lame. They don't know about looking at facial expressions. So this is to also educate the veterinary profession about a way of recognising that the horse is indeed uh, experiencing discomfort. So what sort of signs should we be looking at then? If, if the horse is lame and it's... Um, let, let's just go with lameness because that, that's your speciality, isn't it? How Would his ears be back? Would, his, would he be biting on the bit? Would he have his tongue out? What sort of signs should we be looking for? Well, uh, we probably need to, to backtrack a little bit so that you know how we got to what I'm going to say. Um, because first of all, obviously, we had to establish um, a catalogue of facial expressions and all the different combinations of facial expressions that horses can exhibit. So what we did was that we looked at still mul- many hundreds of still photographs of horses being ridden, both sound horses and lame horses, in order to observe the position of their ears like both ears forward, one ear forward, one to the side, two to the side, one ear forward, one ear back, both ears back, one ear back, one to the side. Um, uh, then we looked at their eyes and we looked to see whether the eye was wide open or whether it was semi-closed or indeed shut. Um, we looked at the um, expression in the eye, whether it was um, a, an alert expression or a kind of intense stare and we looked at the tightness of the muscles around the eye. We also looked at the nostrils to see whether the nostrils were um, flared with round sides or flared with angled sides. They're bound to be flared because the horse is working, so it's flaring its nostrils in order to allow air passage, but whether or not the, 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 mar- the sides of the uh, nostrils are rounded or angled, and whether or not there's a wrinkle between the two nostrils. Wow. We can look at um, the mouth, whether the mouth is closed or whether the mouth has the lips separated, just exposing the teeth or whether the mouth is in fact open, exposing the teeth but no gums, or whether the mouth is open so wide that you can not only see the teeth, you can see the gums and the tongue as well. We can also look at the position of the tongue, whether the tongue is in or out, and the degree it's out. And we can look at the shape of the muzzle and the upper and lower muzzles, which can change shape as a reflection of tension. So we made a catalogue, a great long list um, of all these different um, facial expressions, And we then um, uh, looked at a group of uh, clinically normal horses. So these were horses that were competing, uh, were competing at either a four-star three-day event or um, a CDI dressage competition. So they'd had a veterinary inspection. I examined the horses too, and I was confident that they were free from lameness. And we took multiple photographs of those. Um, uh, and we could, from the photographs, we could just crop the heads so that you're just looking at the heads so you couldn't be influenced by the rest of the horse. Mm. And then we took a group of lame horses and we had multiple photographs of each horse and we could crop out so that we just had the head showing. Um, And then um, a blind assessor, so somebody who didn't know whether it was a sound horse or a lame horse, 
had to apply the grading for all the different facial features. And then we also looked at these facial features and gave each facial feature a score um, from zero to three. So if zero, we would regard that as a normal facial feature. As a three, we would regard it as likely to reflect pain based upon other studies which have investigated pain and the facial features associated, for example, with colic or postoperatively. Mm. Um, so zero was normal and three was um, the most um, marked evidence of pain. So, for example, both ears forward would be graded zero and both ears flat back would be graded three. The mouth shut would be graded zero. The mouth wide open would be graded three. Um, and I guess it's head... going to get complicated, isn't it? It's well, such well, intricate well, detail. Well, this, this is intricate detail, but this was a way that we could then establish a total pain score for each photograph and then um, calculate the average pain score for each horse and mm. then, using statistics, ask the question, is there a difference in the total pain score for the sound horses versus the lame horses? And we found that there was, yes, a very marked difference in the pain score between the sound horses and the lame horses. So wow. this showed that using facial expressions, we can, just by looking at the head of the horse, determine whether or not it's likely that the horse will have pain or not. But then we then tried to simplify things to say, what were the features that were seen most frequently in sound horses? So what the features you saw most frequently in the sound horses were that their ears were forward, they had um, an interested expression in their eye, um, their mouths were shut or slightly open, um, and their heads were straight. Whereas mm. when we asked the question, well, what do we most frequently see in lame horses? We found features such as the ears back, um, an intense stare of the eyes, um, uh, abnormal tightness around the, of the muscles around the eye, um, and the mouth open, exposing the teeth or the head tipping. So that way you simplify it. Um, and so we can say categorically that if the horse is spending a lot of time with both ears back, then that is likely to reflect pain. And the more facial features a horse shows that are indicative of pain, the more likely it is to have pain. So it mm. has ears back and its mouth open a lot of the time or keeps opening and shutting its mouth, then that horse is much more likely to have pain than the horse which has got its ears forward all the time um, and just occasionally opens its mouth. Gosh, this is incredible. Um, it, it, it will make life so much easier for us as well. And because ultimately we want to know that our horses are okay. And if, if, they're, if they're showing any signs of pain, then we'll be able to then phone the vet and say, we don't know what it is. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. That something's not right with them. And I think I personally, as a rider, have experienced difficulties when I, I feel like my horse isn't right, but I haven't got any proof. So the only thing I can do is say, to me, something isn't right. We need to investigate and the vet needs to work out what it is. That's so right. um, having this a, a, additional study is incredible because now we've got things where we can say, oh, his ears are back all the time. He's opening his mouth all the time. Um, this is great. This is all on your website as well, isn't it? It's on the Animal Health Trust site. So if yes, you want to see any the, photos. Yes, yes. yes. And there's also um, um, a link to um, another interview I did, which describes in rather more depth than I have, um, why we did the study and what the results were. Um, there's one, one video that's live at the moment and there's another video that um, will be secondary to that, which is, will be out in a couple of weeks' time. Oh, great. Okay, well, well, we'll put all that on Horse Hour so that everybody has access to it um, while you're listening to this episode. Um, moving forward then, now that you've, you've done this study and found out these incredible results, what, what's the hope? What would you like to do next? Well, um, I haven't told you about phases three and four. <laughs> <laughs> so um, these are just looking at um, uh, still photographs. But we've also expanded the study to look at video recordings of sound horses and lame horses to look at whole horse behavior. Mm-hmm. So in the video recordings, we can look at the facial expressions again. We can also time the duration for which horses have their ears back, for example. We can look at how still the head is or if the head is tossing up and down or from side to side. And we can look at other aspects that may reflect pain, such as tail swishing, being unwilling to go forwards, showing spookiness, um, being resistant, uh, bucking, um, so that we have developed um, another scoring system for whole horse behavior. Um, And the results are currently being analyzed, but I am confident that we will again show differences between the lame horses and the non-lame horses. Mm. Um, so we will be able to use other aspects of behavior as well uh, as an indicator that the horse has definitely got an underlying problem. Um, And in a subset of these horses, um, we have also looked at them before, in the lame horses, before they have had any nerve block, so whilst they're showing um, their performance-related problems, And then again, after we've eliminated their pain by using nerve block techniques uh, to demonstrate that there is a difference before and after. 
we did that just for the still photographs for the facial expressions and could clearly show that there was a difference before and after, um, which was further evidence, a further very strong evidence that these are pain-related communication uh, signals. Uh, and we've done the same thing with the videos, and uh, it, that too is undergoing statistical analysis. But I'm again very confident that we will be able, we will show that these behaviours uh, markedly reduce when we take away the pain causing the performance-related problems. Mm. And some How of these are not very obvious lamenesses. They're, they're, it's not as though we're looking at horses with really, really obvious lamenesses. These are horses mm. which commonly present because they're just not going right so they've got low grade lameness but often involving more than one limb so if i trust anybody i trust you you've helped my horse you know he was one less than one tenth lame we it took us six months to try and work out what was wrong with him i think we talked about this briefly before and you know he was up with you within three days he'd worked out he had a horrific injury that nobody Mm. else could find so um I'm really fascinated to know how many horses you had to use for the study to be able to work out the differences. Um, Well, when we were originally looking um, at a variety of facial expressions, we looked at hundreds of horses. Um, For the study, when we compared um, the non-lame horses and the lame horses, um, we had 76 lame horses and 25 sound horses. Mm. Uh, and for each of those, we had multiple photographs. So there were more than 500 photographs that actually had to be analyzed independently um, for applying the ethogram. That's the description of the facial expressions to each of the photographs of every single horse. So more than 500 photographs to be analyzed. Oh my gosh, you must have a huge team working with you. Well, the, no, it all had to be done by one person because they, we had to make sure that it was a standardized method of, of doing it. So mm. I had um, a former intern who stayed on after her internship, a lady called Jessica Mullard, who was particularly interested in behavior. Um, so she did all the analysis of the heads after she had been trained how to do it. Um, we also worked in collaboration with Dr. Janine Berger, who's a veterinarian who's based in the United States, who's also um, a trained uh, riding instructor based from Austria originally. She is um, a diplomat of the American College of Veterinary Behavior and of Veterinary Welfare. So she brings a background of knowledge of animal behavior. And then we've also worked with a lady called Andrea Ellis, who work, has her own company called UniEqui, and she has helped with the statistical analysis. She also is very interested in veterinary behavior, and therefore it's been a great team of people that have done this together. Mm. Um, I was the in, inceptor of the, the ideas for it and did all the legwork to create um, all the grading scales. Um, but I have to pay tribute to the rest of the team who were uh, very much uh, integral in being able to complete the work. Well, even though we've only completed, we've done phase two and phase three now, we've still got phase four to go, but already I'm thinking, well, there's lots of us that will be going out and analysing our horses now, (laughs) you know, (laughs) when they're being ridden. Um, What's happening with phase four? Um, well, well, the stage four is, is, is the ridden horses before and after analgesia. 
so stage stage so, so, so that's that's where we'll be be at and then um we then have to try and publicize this as much as possible and i think we're going to have to provide try and create um a very simple document that summarizes the findings so that um it becomes as user friendly as possible for the general horse owning public and for trainers coaches um so that we are trying to put the message out to as many people as possible Mm. But it's quite interesting that even with the publicity that this study has had so far, um, already we've had phone calls from people saying, gosh, I think my horse has got a pain-related problem. Can we bring it for investigation? And they're right in their assumption that the horse has got a pain-related problem. So they've they've immediately gone and looked at their horses and realized, yeah, all these problems that I thought were training-related are in fact pain-related. Oh, gosh. It's, it's going to really help with the with the welfare as well, though, isn't it? And um, helping to understand different. I guess when we get, when we were talking earlier about putting the tack on and putting the bridle on, and um, if a horse has a dramatic reaction, then it's very obvious. But it's the small minor details that we've missed for so long. So having having your study and and something to almost sometimes I think Sue, we need a parent holding our hand with a little safety net that we can go back and check against yeah so having your study with pictures that says okay well this is what he's doing oh well Mm. yes this is definitely pain it means Mm. that we then have the support of as an owner yes you're doing the right thing yes go and get him checked yeah absolutely absolutely but we have to also as I said before educate the veterinary profession as well because Mm. um, unless they are on board um, we're going to meet a stalemate situation when they are unable to recognize what the un- underlying problems are. And I think that um, the horse-owning public need to know that an equine vet is, yes, a specialist in horses, but they have to cover a huge amount of different problems. And if you've got a low-grade performance problem, then you really need to go to an expert in performance-related problems. Your own local vet is probably not going to be able to um, have the um, background knowledge and have developed the eye that is necessary to investigate some of these problems. Mm. Some vets vets may hate me saying this, but I see them as the GP where they can do everything. And then if you have a serious problem as a human, you go to a specialist, you, you get referred. Absolutely. I think that that is very much the situation that we should have with horses. I mean, the horses are athletes. Um, if if you are an athlete, you go to a sports medicine specialist. Um, you, you, you bypass the GP. Um, mm. And I think that um, if we're dealing with performance-related problems, problems that are probably only evident-ridden, then you need the same specialist approach. Do you think, Sue, there might be a chance that um, the, the facial expressions will be able to show us things in the future on non-ridden horses too? Um, I think we see some of the things on the lunge. Um, uh, I was quite interested by that. I was, As I was um, compiling the data, um, I was interested to see photographs that I had of horses both on the lunge and ridden. Um, I had never expected to see horses with photographs of their eyes closed when they were ridden. So I went back and looked at those horses to see whether or not they closed their eyes on the lunge. And a large proportion of them did as well on the lunge because they were uncomfortable on the lunge. So, um, yeah, some of these features are clearly evident with the horses on the lunge if you look for them.
It's interesting for me to hear that closing of the eyes means pain because you naturally assume that's them being relaxed and feeling comfortable, isn't it? Well, it depends. If you look at these horses when their eyes closed, often um, they're, they're kind of got a squinting type expression of their eyes. Mm. Um, and yeah, there's a, some very interesting work with um, laboratory rodents. So rats are used in laboratory experiments uh, under home office license, so very strictly controlled. And one of the best ways of determining whether or not an, a rat is in pain is looking at its eyes. And um, the most severe pain will result in the, uh, in the rat closing its eyes in a squinted type way. So the muscles around the eye are really taut. Whereas a rat, a rat that is sleeping has its eyes closed, but the muscles are completely relaxed around the eye. Mm. Um, and we say, see the same thing to some extent with the horse as well. Well, thank you so much. It's Professor Sue Dyson at the Animal Health Trust. We'll, um, we'll post all your articles on horsehour.co.uk and on Twitter. We'll, we'll post your videos. And um, I'm fascinated to find out what happens over the next year. And, and hats off, I, I, I very much expect you to be running clinics throughout the UK for veterinary experts. You're going to be very busy. <laughs> There'll be no time Even to enjoy busy. your horses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay, you're most welcome. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Next week, you can hear the captain of the US polo team, Nick Roldan. He is the face of American polo and he's over in the UK because he's launching his inaugural sunset polo party. You get to win four tickets to go to the party, watch some of the top players in the world competing at polo. And also, Nick Skelton's going to be there and so is William Fox Pitt. They will be debuting, swapping saddles for the day, seeing what it's like to have a go at polo and Nick's going to have a go at eventing too. The inaugural Sunset Polo Parties on Tuesday, June the 20th starts at 5 o'clock in the evening and uh, if you're not lucky enough to win some tickets then you can purchase them and go and watch some great polo. Nick talks to us about his early days of when he first started riding, what it was like to be the youngest polo player in the world to win the US Open polo title at the age of just 15 and how he trains his horses. You can catch all previous episodes of the Horse Hour podcast on our website. Just head to horsehour.co.uk. Genuinely, thank you so much for listening. I wouldn't be able to do this without you. And keep sharing your pictures and your videos of your journeys with your horses. Just tag us. I'm at Amy Stevenson 1, Horse Hours at Horse Hour. And we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. I hope you have a great week with your horse. I'll speak to you soon. You've been listening to Horse Hour. Join the community on Twitter, Mondays, 8pm UK time, 3pm Eastern, by using the hashtag HorseHour. Follow Amy at AmyStevenson1 and subscribe to us on Acast, iTunes, Stitcher and Player FM. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.